Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Featuring 422 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saba, the most electrifying voice in sports information. And with me, as always. What up, what up? It's me, it's me, it's Lukey C, a.k.a. The Crockpot. What are we talking about today, Saba? Recap. We're going to recap the draft that happened last week in the NFL in the beautiful, beautiful city of Cleveland, Ohio. I watched a lot. I really enjoyed it this year, mostly because, you know, the, the, the cutaways and, and, the, and the bump backs was all Cleveland cityscapes and, and stuff like that. I thought it was great. But before we get into the show, a word from our sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to betonline.ag with your computer or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Let's talk draft. Let's get right into it. Who do you think had the best draft? Oh, man. There's a lot of teams that I think did really well. You know, a lot of teams did, did good at filling filling holes in, in their roster with, uh, with, with a good mix of value as well. I think the best draft, though, was the Chargers. They were able to sit at 13. There was talk that all week that they wanted to get up in position to get Penny Sewell, college teammate of Justin Herbert. They held tight at 13 and ended up with Rayshon Slater, who a lot of people thought might play guard. But, uh, you know, once we got his pro day numbers, it looks like he's going to play tackle. And I think that that was by far their biggest need, you know, protect the asset. They got they they actually hit on the quarterback in the draft, which is hard to do. We know that better than anybody. And uh, they're going to go out and protect him. Then in the second round, they were able to, to, to sit there at 47 and, and end up with Asante Samuel, a guy that a lot of people had in the late first round, that early second round. Uh, I, I know I, I liked him quite a bit. Josh Palmer was a guy that didn't really know much about going into the process. And then as we got closer to the draft, more and more people started talking about him. Had a ton of snaps against, um, you know, first round picks, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan and did really well on, uh, on balls that he was targeted you know, and, and at 77, you can you can afford to take chances there. So and then uh, I really like the tight end, too, from uh, from Georgia. That's just a, you know, not not it's not going to wow you, but it's it was a, a good value pick. I felt. What about you? Who'd you like? Yeah. You know, we talked about this a little bit last year. When, when I take a look at the teams that I think do the best or frankly do well, you got to have a good mix. Right. You got to fill you got to fill needs. You have to get value. And then later in the draft, you got to hit on a couple guys that, you know, potentially have, have fallen or red flags have popped up, things like that. Right. So you're getting, you're getting value in the mid rounds, you're getting value in the late rounds. And, and I think there's, look, 
you hit the nail on the head. I thought a lot of teams did really well, especially at the top of the draft. Day one and, and, and beginning of day two, first, second round, I thought a lot of teams did really well. I'll say an honorable mention for me is Carolina. I talked last year how I really liked Carolina's draft. Carolina went pretty much all defense last year. Actually, not pretty much. They did go all defense last year. This year, they mixed it up a little bit. You get J.C. Horn at eight, right? He was the first defensive player off the board, which was something that we talked about a lot coming up. J.C. Horn is obviously a good player. You get Terrence Marshall in the second round, who's another player that you and I both love, 6'3", 200 pounds. I saw a stat on PFF this week that he had the most catches, touchdown catches inside the 11-yard line of anybody in college football uh, over the last two years or something like that. Just a really great stat down around the goal line. He's, he's a good guy to have. Brady Christensen from BYU, nice offensive line, helped to come in and help Sam Darnold. And then later in round five, they got Davion Nixon from Iowa, the interior defensive lineman who, you know, some mocks, I saw him early mocks. I saw him in the first round, but he was definitely a solid early day two guy. And he ends up sliding to the fifth round for whatever reason. I really like what Carolina did. I think the team that did the best though, I think it was the Broncos. I really like what the Broncos did. Oh, by the way, they may also get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think I, I, I love what's happening in Denver right now. Things are kind of going the right way for them. John Elway takes a step back. George Payton steps in. You know, they start to run the organization a little bit different. They get the best player available at nine in round one. They took Pat Sertain, right? Great pick for them. They get arguably the best running back in the draft in round two. They don't have to reach for a running back in the first round like some other teams did. They get the, the interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin Whitewater. Quinn Mainers, Browns yeah. loved him. That was a guy that was shooting up big boards the week leading up to the draft. They get him in round three. They get Baron Browning in round three, who was both those guys hit round two grades. Jamar Johnson, the safety from Indiana. Some boards, he was the third-rated safety. They get him in round five. I saw him in some mocks going in the first round. And then they got great value in six and seven. They got the wide receiver, Seth Williams from Auburn, who's a really good football player. They got a cornerback from LSU, Kerry Vincent, which, you know, LSU is kind of DBU right now. So, you know, outside of Ohio State, I think you look at those two schools. Anytime you get a DB from, from one of those schools, you know it's a guy who was highly recruited, who's played a lot of really good talent, so you get him later. And then Jonathan Cooper, the edge from Ohio State, who's a player that, you know, you and I have both seen a lot of. He flashes. He had good games. I mean, there's probably some consistency questions there. Good player. So to get Williams, Vincent, and Cooper in, in the sixth and seventh rounds, I really like what Denver was able to do. Yeah, I think if you're going to factor in the potential to add Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not sure I'm leaving that draft with my quarterback situation the way it is, though. That's the only knock I have against him. I love Sertan. Maybe they know something that we don't, you know. But I, I just – Fields was sitting right there for you. That's my only knock against him. You know, we have friend of show, Trevor Austin, who was on the draft show last week at, at, uh, at Corner Bar. He's a huge Denver fan. He said they were in love with Trey Lance. Things didn't fall their way. They didn't like Fields as much. So the guy that 
that they liked wasn't there. So they ultimately said, you know what, we're going to go best player available. They traded for Brid- Teddy Bridgewater the day before. From everything that we're hearing, they really like Teddy Bridgewater. So they're building a really good team in Denver. I like it. Who do you think had the worst draft? You know, we, we talked about teams that uh, that did a good job of mixed in value and need. There were some teams that weren't. You know, I, I think you could easily say – Houston, just because their their little number of picks that they had, um, they only had five picks, and then you know right away they take Davis Mills in the third round there to, you know, doesn't really quell anything on the uh, Deshaun Watson front, so they they end up taking Davis Mills there with their first pick, and I did like Nico Collins, but overall just just very underwhelmed by them. But I'm gonna go with the Raiders. I thought that the Raiders draft class was was pretty bad. I, I'm a big fan of Trayvon Merrick, but that's about it, man. You know, they took Leatherwood in the first. I think we'll talk about him in a minute, too. Um, oh, we will. But, uh, you know, they did blow up their line about two weeks before the draft for some reason. John Gruden decided that was a good idea. And, um, you know, it just seems to the, he only be he, he's only taking guys from Clemson and Alabama um, which, you know, they have good players, but there are other schools available for, for him to pick from. So, I, I, you know, they took two safeties, another DB, a center. I, they were just all over the place, and I didn't like the value for any of them. So I, I, I'm going to say the Raiders. Yeah. Look, I hammered the Raiders last year on the, you know, the Henry Suggs and the, and the Damon Arnett stuff. We're going to get into them. Also a front runner for Aaron Rodgers. So. You know, look, you get Aaron Rodgers, it it cleans a lot of things up. And to your other point, you talked about Houston only having five picks. Seattle only had three picks. And, you know, none of they got a receiver with their first pick in the second round or whatever. Um, The kid from Western Michigan receiver, forget his name. Eskridge. Yeah, they got Eskridge, which is a nice player, but didn't love. Yeah, didn't love. Didn't love Seattle's, but dude, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it. The Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion, had had the worst draft. I see a lot of Steelers fans on Twitter showing a lot of love for what Pittsburgh did, and I'm gonna tell you something right now. There is, and I almost tweeted this out today. There is a lot of blockbuster esque vibe coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Blockbuster never thought that they Netflix was coming. You know what I mean? Like they never thought Netflix was coming and their arrogance and just sort of how we've always done it is always going to work mentality, I think is, is escalating or accelerating the decline of that organization. Nine picks. There was no value on their draft board in their draft class anywhere outside of one player. They got Quincy Roche an edge rusher from Miami in the sixth round who probably had a third or a fourth round grade on him. Outside of that, look, you don't take a running back in the first round. I don't care. And you know what? If you would have talked to me two years ago, I would have told you absolutely take a running back in the first round. But the guy that I share the mic with on this show has, if there's anything he's done, he has helped me understand that the running back position is the most devalued position in sports. Am I suggesting that Najee Harris isn't a good player? Absolutely not. Am I suggesting that Najee Harris potentially won't be an impact for the Steelers from day one? Absolutely not. Am I suggesting that Najee Harris isn't going to be a starter from day one? 
Absolutely not. What I'm suggesting is they had much more glaring needs than a running back position, and they really did not address them. I've watched Pat Fryermuth for the last two or three years. I don't see the baby Gronk stuff. I, I just don't. I mean, he's a good player. He comes from a long line of, of good tight ends out of, out of Iowa. There's a lot of players in the NFL right now that played tight end in Iowa. Again, they have Ebron. They have Eric Ebron. You don't need to draft a tight end in the second round. So you take a running back in the first round. You draft it. You, 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 excuse me. You reach for a running back in the first round. You reach for a tight end in the second round. They got a couple offensive linemen in the, in, from Texas A&M in the fourth round. But I watched both telecasts. Nobody was blown away by those picks. I mean, and it's really easy to impress those guys on the draft day assist on both ESPN and the NFL Network. I mean, those guys are paid to get excited about these draft picks, and nobody was sitting there going, oh, my God, the tackle from Texas A&M or the center from Texas A&M that Pittsburgh just took. Wow, that's really going to help their quarterback who threw six interceptions in the last time we saw him against a defense that was terrible. So they drafted a punter. That's the last thing I have to say. So you reach for you reach for a running back in round one. You reach for a running a tight end in round two. You don't really fill the need that which is protect our quarterback, and you draft a punter. Man, I am very, very passionate about this. I think Pittsburgh not only did they have a terrible draft, have the worst draft probably in my opinion, but. I think there are some serious signals that this team just, man, they are building their franchise like it's 1989. Yeah, not much to add there. I I totally agree with you. I think Ben put them in a tough spot um, where, and you know, this, this might, this, this might add to your blockbuster take, because I think that's a really good take. Maybe, maybe them, they themselves don't really understand what's out there in front of them right now, because you know, th- that's a pick that you make when you're sitting at the last pick of the first round. And even then, it- it's not a great pick. We're looking at Clyde Edwards Hilaire right now, and everyone was like going nuts about it because they didn't have many holes. Well, they had to plug fill- they had to plug holes on their offensive line and everything else. And now that contract is a problem for them. And he's not even the best running back on the team. So, you know, and it's not that Najee Harris, like you said, is not a good player. It's just you just don't do you just don't do this if they're projected to have the worst starting offensive line in the league. Okay. So you really, you really, and I know you, you don't want to draft on strictly on need trade down a little bit. That's right. Trade down a little bit to the bottom or to the top half of the second and get those guys that there was plenty of guys there that, that uh, were offensive linemen that went in the top half of the second round. So I didn't really understand that. I uh, totally agree with you. Fairmouth is like the, I think he's the sixth or seventh baby Gronk that's come along. Um, <laughs> You know, and There's I hear, one every hear, year, every single year you hear about it. And guess what? None of them are Gronk. OK, <laughs> so it, it, it's just it's insane. It's insane to me that, uh, you know, that I see a lot of people buffing their chest, like you said, talking about Pittsburgh. And it's just like, yeah, I saw I saw a take. Someone said they got Le'Veon Bell and Heath Miller. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, Le'Veon Bell was was the second round pick. Mm-hmm. OK, first of all. And second. And okay. Heath Miller was like a like a late pick. <laughs> right, right. You just completely miss like, yeah, okay, great. You have them, but you know, they rely on so much more to be successful. And it's just they and Pittsburgh just doesn't have it. So I totally agree with you. I like the blockbuster take. Not much more to say there. Don't get me wrong. 
I'm Can't really wait to play him twice a year. I'm really happy they drafted these players. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw my tweet on it was on it was either on Friday morning or Saturday morning. I put out there that look, nobody is happier than Browns fans that the Steelers drafted a running back in the first round and that the Bengals didn't take Penny Sewell. Like all these organizations are beating their chest for not doing what's necessary to make them good. So, you know what? It is what it is. Let's talk about value. What did you think was the highest value early pick? Let's stick to early picks. First, second round, what do you think of the guys that teams got great value early in the draft? If you're looking at strictly the first round, I don't think you can look much farther than the Bears. I know they had to trade up to do it, and not always a big fan of trading up for non-QBs and fields. I'm sorry, future Heisman Trophy winner Justin Fields. I wasn't sure how far he was going to slide it. It felt like he might go for a ways, and it's not often that a GM who drafts a quarter who trades up to draft a quarterback number two overall gets a chance to draft another quarterback in the first round several years later. So I think that Nagy's offense could be okay for him. I don't think that regime is going to make it much longer. So he's going to have to survive that. That was probably the biggest value pick in the first round, even though that the bears had to trade up to it, you know, and if it hits, and actually it really wasn't all that much. They just had to give up an additional one and a four, I think so. But that was the biggest one. And I would say, you know, I mentioned it earlier, uh, Rayshon Slater falling to 13. And, uh, you know, Penny Sewell falling to seven to, to the Lions. I think, you know, you saw that everyone saw the video of uh, their GM going nuts in there. Like they just won the Super Bowl. They have so many holes that, uh, you know, they, they could have gone a number of ways and it would have been a major win for them. But I think they ended up getting, Probably, you know, nothing against Pitts, Chase, or Waddle, but I think I think Sewell might be might end up being the best non quarterback position, uh, non quarterback from this from this draft, and they got him all the way down at seven. Yeah, you and I are totally in agreement there. Sewell, Detroit getting Sewell at seven. I mean, that's a guy. Technically, he probably should have gone at two, right? The Jets probably should have tried it out with Sam Darnold, given Sam Darnold some weapons and just took Sewell at two. So he could have gone as high as two, probably should have. Definitely Miami might have taken him at three. So that's a guy that could have gone in the top two or three picks, ends up sliding to seven in fields. Look, the fact that Justin Fields went 11th in this draft, it it's a travesty. I talked about it on the on the draft show Thursday night. These teams have just created a monster. Like, this dude is going to have a Tom Brady-esque chip on his shoulder. He is an outstanding football player. He's got a great attitude. He's a great leader. And all he wants to do is get to work. And he just wants to show the Jets, the 49ers, all these other teams, Carolina, Detroit, Denver. He wants to show all these teams, look, you should have taken me. And – He's a great football player, and that's my – I thought Chicago, that's a great pick for them, man. So you and I are, are in total agreement on, on Sewell and Field. So I don't know about you, but I'm always losing and breaking my sunglasses. So it's time to make your outdoor experience better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, 
lighter, stronger, and they have Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANANCAST15 at Canaan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canaan, clearly better. Let's get into the biggest reach. And we talked about it, right? Most teams drafted, most teams drafted pretty good at the top of this draft. Talk about who you thought were the biggest reach, reaches here at the top of the draft. I'll talk about Leatherwood right now, right off the rip. You know, he he was PFF's number 40 overall player, gets taken number 17 behind guys like Walker Little, Tevin Jenkins, Dylan Raddins, who are all on the board. Even the kid from Texas, Samuel Cosme. We're all ranked ahead of him by PFF. Darisol was on, was on the board, right? Yes, yes, because he went 20, 20 – he went to the Vikings because the Vikings had traded back They traded him. back. I think he went at like 24 or something. No, yeah, I, I think he did go in the 20s. And, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, Darisol went 23. But, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, plenty of other guys. And I know that Dane Brugler for the Athletic had him ranked as the number three guard. And then they got so much backlash. Did you see the um, the Twitter accounts like, oh, we're thinking about him for right tackle. <laughs> just, yeah. It was just a mess, man. Yeah. That organization is an absolute mess. Just the past three or four years, the, their, their first round picks have just been a nightmare. But I think that was by far the biggest reach. And then, you know, you can really look at anywhere from 28 down and be and, you know, take your pick. I know, I know that it's the end of the first round, or, or and this was not a big draft class, especially for edge rushers, but you see three edge rushers go right there at the end. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. four. And, and I like Turner. Yeah, hit that. Turner to the Saints. Uh, and then uh, Rousseau to the Bills. Uh, Odafe Owe for, uh, to the Ravens. And then Joe Tryon to uh, to the Bucks. But there was a lot of Tryon talk late, late, late in the process being pushed up there. So, I, you know. I know he, he was a guy that opted out, so I'm not sure. But And those are guys that I like. I just didn't necessarily like them in the first round, and I think that those were all pretty high reach. And then, uh, you know, you can look at Kadarius Tony. Dave Gettleman finally did something that is very prudent and traded back from 11 to 20 and then takes kind of a, a luxury pick in a guy like Tony, which is like – that's a guy, a guy that you're taking as a cherry on top, not when you're the Giants. And they've made moves like this all offseason where they they seem to think that they're quite a bit closer than they actually are. So um, yes. I shouldn't say it totally surprised me just because because of Dave Gettleman, nothing should. But um, but yeah, I mean, those those were the ones for me. And for those of you that don't know, he Luke referred to Odafe Owe. It's Odafe. Don't call me Jason Owe. He, on Friday or Saturday, changed his name. Most of you know him as Jason from Penn State. So I certainly think that you hit the nail on the head with those with those guys at the end. The kid, uh, Tryon, you know, everything I read about him did not love him. The Peyton Turner one, in my opinion, was probably the biggest reach of the four that you talked about. But for me, you talked about Leatherwood. 40th ranked player on PFF's big board. He was the ninth rated offensive tackle on PFF's big board for him to go to 17. We've talked, we've hammered the Raiders. I think that Mayock and Gruden, they think they're smarter than everybody else. And it's almost comical at this point, the way that they reach for these players. So 
we'll say Alex Leatherwood. And then I got to say it. Everybody in the world has just sort of succumbed to this whole Zach Wilson story. But the reality is, is that Zach Wilson is not the, the second best quarterback in this draft. He's not. And if you want to get realistic about how this draft should have fell, most likely, most likely you see three quarterbacks go in the top 10. You see Lawrence go at one. You see Justin Fields go shortly thereafter him. And you see Trey Lance go somewhere in the back half of the top 10. And then you see Zach Wilson go probably about 15. And then you see Mac Jones go early second round. It didn't fall that way. So I'm going to say, even though I see Mac Jones as a player that should have probably went in the second round, he did slide to 15. So that means Zach Wilson getting drafted at two. I mean, you said it Thursday night. With what the Jets did at 2 and 14, trading up to get uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are on the clock right now. They're on the clock. You know, we talked about the, the, the Matt Jones is going to get a GM fired. Well, it's Bill Belichick, so he's probably not going to get the GM fired. I'm transitioning that to Zach Wilson, not might or not maybe. Like, Zach Wilson is getting Joe Douglas and Robert Sala fired because those guys clearly don't know what they're doing either. He was the number four quarterback on my board. He was the no better than number three on most boards. And to me, bro, it's, it's just a travesty. I've been hammering this thing for six weeks, eight weeks. I mean, we've been talking about this nonstop, but it's the fact that it actually happened. It's one thing to talk about it and to put the news out there, but it's another thing to actually to draft. Zach Wilson at number two overall. So Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, we'd love to have you on the show and we'll be really nice to you. But the reality is, is guys, you are on the clock. And I will say, you know, I, I like Wilson a little bit more than you do, but he's going to get some time now. I didn't love the reach up for, uh, you know, the trade up and Tucker. then the reach at a lot. Yeah. For Vera Tucker. But I did like, uh, you know, they, they ended up with the weapon, Elijah Moore in the second half uh, in the second round, really really high on him. I like the running back. He's a nice little change of pace back. Michael Carter from uh, North Carolina. You so, and Mel Kiper, you're both they, you're yeah. both high on Elijah Moore. Mel Kiper talked about Elijah Moore. Every pick that came up, Mel Kiper's like Elijah Moore here. <laughs> yeah, so that. so it was uh, th- you know three offensive guys there t- to help insulate. Uh, Zach Wilson and I think that the coach is going to get time you know he signed a five-year deal Woody Johnson just let Zach Gate or uh, Adam Gase take what three years before he got rid of him so I mean he's not going to be quick to fire uh, fire the new guy so I think Zach Wilson will get time so if he does get time to adjust I don't really see you know that high ceiling but I will say you know PFF had him their number two player overall so they had him ahead of Justin Fields I hope he's in your next in the next segment. He is not. Let's get to it. What's the segment? segment is called bust or bust. So this is where I give you five random players names. I'll tell you, they're all first and second rounders. And you tell me whether they are at the end of their career, whether it's next year, two years, three years, 10 years, 25 years from now, whether this player is a bust 
or they're going to Canton and they're getting a Hall of Fame bust. All right, Zach Wilson, bust. Okay, we got that one out of the way. That, that's, that's our intro. All right, so I'm going to throw you another lot ball. Mac Jones. It's one or the other, right? It's not nowhere in between. <laughs> nowhere in between. You got to so, pick one or the so other. So we'll go bust. Is that a... What I want to say is that Mac Jones is in a really ideal situation. Probably the best one out of everyone, but maybe... Trey Lance, right? I mean, he's in a really ideal situation. He's in an offense with a coordinator that's going to help build the offense around him. A lot of weapons. I think he's not going to have to start right away. I don't think he's going to start right away. But, you know, he he ain't going to the Hall of Fame, so bust. (laughs) I'm I'm saying I'm saying Hall of Fame. I'm I'm the heel turn on Mac Jones right now. Wow. Bill, Bill Belichick is going to show his true greatness here. It's like when the Mac Rock. Jones. It's like when the Rock joined Nation of Domination. He's going to get Mac Jones a Hall of Fame, but okay, moving on. Cornerback Caleb Farley, Hall of Fame. Oh, I like it. It was quick too. It yeah. Quick. I mean, I'm, look, I'm, he, he says the back's good. You know, he says he feels good. Uh, you got to trust the player. I, you know, I mean, if he if he, if he wasn't feeling good, I don't think he would say anything because he was already drafted. Size, length, speed. You know, he's got the tape. He's he he has been successful. I really like the far. Uh, I like Farley a lot, so I'm gonna go Hall of Fame. I'm gonna go the other way and just say bust. And, and I really like Farley. I just don't think the back holds up. Um, you know, I mentioned this the other day or yeah. on the show last week is you never heard anyone say I used to have a bad back. No, you're right. It's just not something that you hear. And uh, I'm wondering if Tennessee doesn't take him because they have a history of settling on guys that have that high ceiling with maybe a little bit of question marks, whether it be history, uh, injury history or, or, or otherwise. But um, I'm interested to see what the Browns do at 26 if he makes it there with Newsom on the board. I saw read some, a couple places that they would have taken him. And if, if he gets past there, I mean, he might slip for a while. I saw a couple places the Browns were planning on taking Farley at 26 if he got there. So I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, moving on. Quitty Pay. So he's a guy like Owe who didn't have a lot of production in college. I think it was more the way that Michigan used him. He's got a really quick first step he's explosive and disruptive where did he end up going um 21st to indy he went to indy i like what indy does defensively i'm gonna say hall of, i'm gonna say hall of fame i'm gonna go with you on that hall of fame just because um i, I don't know enough about what the heart issue was and, and specifically i'm not a doctor so i'm not gonna try and do it but you know he's got a comparable to bradley chubb and now, while Chubb hasn't exactly lived up to everything, and that that concerns me a little bit because Chubb was supposed to be the man, and he's not, you know, absolutely dominating across the way from Vaughn Miller to go and, five five and twenty one, or they're worlds apart, man. Exactly, exactly. I so I like that a little bit better, but yeah, he's going to really have to step up because he's he's the he's the number one guy there as a pass rusher. So, but I still I think he can handle. It. I, I like I like to add there. They went back to back edge rushers. Uh, did Indy. They took one with their second round pick, too. All right. Asante Samuel. I'm going to say bust. He's small. I think his size is going to hurt him, even though he's a physical player and he does well with hand fighting, especially when the ball's in the air. He's he's disruptive. 
I just think he's going to have a lot of trouble with with big receivers. And, and look, I mean, that's the direction, you know, that, that's the way the, the game's going. I mean, a lot of teams have really big physical wide receivers. And even if the team, the, you know, the smaller guys are athletic freaks, I'm going to say bust for Asante Jr. Yeah, I'm going to go with you. Um, it's just, I, you know, I think you're starting to see some smaller corners. It's starting to come back a little bit. Um, but you're, you're right about the, the bigger wide receivers. This, this draft was a little bit different in that all the wide receivers seem to be smaller guys. You know, and this is probably unfair to put on him, but, uh, man, those DBs out in City or uh, sorry, L.A., they always end up getting hurt. So, uh, you know, probably a, a super unfair thing to put on him. But, uh, you know, they lost Hayward last year to the Broncos, I believe. And, uh, you know, so he's going to have to be that. They're going to expect big things from him, and I just – I'm not sure that he's that guy, so I'll also go bust. I mean, he's going to have to, you know, chase Tyreek Hill around one week and then Cortland Sutton, that freak of fucking nature. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Jude. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. And last last but not least, Mighty Mouse, Rondale Moore. He's got durability concerns. At his best, he's electric. I really like the player. He went to Arizona, right? Yes. I'm going to say bust. I don't think, man, there's no telling how long Cliff Kingsbury is going to be there. The next guy they bring in that, that offense might not be as dynamic. Cliff Kingsbury's not there. Maybe they're going a different direction quarterback wise. I, I don't know. I mean, I, look, I don't know what's going to happen with Arizona. I just, I'm not sold on Rondale Moore really being able to stay healthy and being as dynamic at the next level as he was you know, at Purdue, his freshman year, what, in 2018? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm going with Hall of Fame. Give him a Hall of Fame bust. Uh, I agree with you on Cliff, but um, behind DeAndre Hopkins, there's not much there right now. Um, you're looking at A.J. Green, who has played, I think, four games in the last 14 years. What about my <laughs> and, boy, uh, Andy Isabella? Hey, Andy, they're gonna put they're gonna put Andy Isabella out to pasture. Is Christian here. Kirk still there? Yes, yes, he's still there. You I know, think this Rondell's better than those guys. I hear you. This is sort of a get off my lawn comment that I'm about to make right now. Very old school. How many wide receivers do you think are in the Hall of Fame that are shorter than five nine? <sighs> God, three. I don't. I, I don't no know idea. the. I don't know the answer. <laughs> but he's five seven. So. He would have to be a all-time outlier to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm definitely, you know, for the sake of the game, I wanted to throw him in there and just praise on him one more time, just in case, you know, he does go the way of uh, a draft bust. All right, that's it for me. Actually, I'm going to give you one more, just real quick. Ian Book. He was he a fourth-round pick. New Orleans? To the New Orleans Saints. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I don't like Ian book. So, I mean, it's, it's a <laughs> it was shocking to me when, when he was, when his name was called on Saturday. Cause I was like, wait, who, right now in the fourth round, <laughs> I'll tell you which quarterback does have a great potential of being a hall of famer. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. My no, he guy, doesn't. Kyle Trask. James Winston is James Winston's going back there after Tom Brady retires and he's going to take, take the range. Kyle Trask sitting behind the Billy goat. It's beautiful. I love that. I'm so glad my guy went there anyway. Okay. 
I got Me one too. more. We're never, to see, we're never have to hear about him ever again. Gotcha. Yeah, because Brady's <laughs> going to be playing for nine more years. All right, so <laughs> we've gone through free agency. We've gone through the draft. What team do you think's improved themselves the most on paper? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think the Cleveland Browns have to be mentioned. I really like what uh, they were able to do. Again, need value with uh, Newsom at 26. And Koromoa, a guy that PFF had ranked 19, who ends up slipping to 52, who uh, they traded up to get. So, um, man, and, and the guys that they took later were not, were not typical guys that, that they would draft. They were guys that testing numbers were not very good, but GPS game speed, you know, for one reason or another, but GPS game speed numbers were up. So, um, you know, I really like the Hudson pick. He can have time to sit there and learn. I really liked what the Bengals did as well. If you're talking about, you know, just on paper. Um, I think that those, I'd have to go with those two. I, I said, I have to say the Browns and the Bengals probably. I, I like and, what, and, and I'm throwing the Bears in there too. I mean, they, they okay. got they got a quarterback, so okay. I just don't think that they they did as much as as the other two to improve themselves. I mean, look, I like what New England did. You know, f- we're talking a combination of both. You know, in free agency, New England brought in Judon. They brought in Aguilar. They brought in all those guys. Uh, the two tight ends, Janu and, and Hunter Henry. They, you know, they got Mac Jones, who we've talked about that. Christian Barmore, who's an ultimate sort of risk-reward guy. If they can get the effort out of him, I mean, he's a steal in round two. Ronnie Perkins, the edge out of Oklahoma. I, That's a guy who some had a first-round, early second-round grade on. Cam McGrone, another underachiever, very similar to Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Look, I think that New England has did themselves – a lot of favors by spending money and having a really good draft. With that being said, look, there's not even an argument out there anymore. The Cleveland Browns are the smartest team in the NFL. They have the smartest front office. And you know what? I'm, I'm about to make the statement that I am, but I was, I did this too. When's the last time you heard anybody refer to Paul D Podesta as a baseball guy? When? John Johnson III, Jadavian Clowney, Troy Hill, Anthony Walker, Tack McKinley. That's just free agency. Those are all guys that are they, – they turned a weak defense into a strength in free agency. Then let's go to the draft. Greg Newsom, best feat for a corner in the class. Steal at 26. Jeremiah owusu Koromoa, first-round talent. Anthony Schwartz, receiver from Auburn, fastest player in the draft. They got round two, round three talent in round four with James Hudson and Tommy Togiai. Tony Fields, right? The kid you talked about from West Virginia, the linebacker. He's described as Arizona. He played at West Virginia and Arizona. He was described as Arizona and West Virginia's Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. Like, he's that kind of player. Richard LeCount. Right. The safety they got in round six from Georgia. Dude had a round two grade on him. He had a round two grade on him, but he got in a motorcycle accident. He was running in the four fours. He ran in the four eights on his pro day. He probably shouldn't have ran on his pro day. Neither here nor there. Team leader of the Georgia defense, physical, big hitter. That guy right there, that LeCount, 
very similar to what they did with DPJ, Donovan People Jones, last year late in the draft. I think he's going to be another player like that, or like Mac Wilson that I talked about from two years ago, who's now a starter. And then the last kid they got, uh, Demetric Felton, late round steal, very Tyreek Hill esque on tape. He's electric. He has very fun tape. I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill. I'm saying when he was at UCLA and you watched his tape, there were some similar characteristics there. And for them to get that guy in the seventh round, it feels to me right now, and I may regret the statement I'm about to make, but what did the owner of the Warriors say about four years ago? They were light years ahead of the rest of the league. I really, I really feel like the Browns are playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers right now. Their approach to talent acquisition and roster evaluation is so much smarter than everybody else. And I don't think you would disagree. And I'm going to give my guy over here. He saw it coming. He knew this was the right combination, you know, and he sent me a text and he's very right. Sent me a text a couple weeks ago or last week. He said, uh, Andrew Barry is the guy that you thought John Dorsey was. (laughs) And he's right. So I think the Cleveland Browns have improved themselves the most. Look, I'm not going to go as far as to say they have the second best roster in the NFL because we're seeing that from a lot of people right now, saying they have the second best roster behind Tampa Bay. But I do believe they are firmly in the three, four, five range. I think they have the second best roster on paper in the AFC. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, The only thing I'll caution is, you're going to have eight or nine new starters on this defense. So none of those guys have played. And, and look, we're looking at rosters just strictly on paper. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and I, and there's no doubt about it. They, they upgraded the most specifically on that side of the ball. The offense was, was already good. was already top 10. Um, it's only going to get better, but yeah, I think that uh, it's very clear that, you know, Barry is good at what he does. They have a very high level, talent evaluation process they have a uh, process that they stick to and you can see that uh, through the board you know in the way that they made their picks they weren't going to let the fact that they took you know a safety or a cornerback early on keep them from doing it earlier I thought they might take another corner later on but um, for the most part they went and got the guy that they thought was the best player on on the board and uh, I've always been against, oh, BPA, BPA, because there is no consensus BPA. It's different for every team. They, you know, biases creep in and whatnot. But, um, you know, they didn't let the fact that they took Anthony Schwartz in the third to keep him from taking a guy that's, they, you know, they might end up battling for a spot on the roster, Yeah, you know, as, as deep as it is. You know, those are probably guys that are going to have to learn their, earn their chops on specials. Um, and Felton cer- certainly has the chops for it. I think Schwartz can be an incredible contributor right away. Yeah. Um, all these guys, I, I, I just, I can't oh, not re- to I mention re- the defensive tackle from Florida state. They brought in undrafted who had a round two grade before the beginning of last season, the kid they Went brought back in and struggled the kid yeah. they brought in from Seattle who was in prison for 11 months. That was a round two draft pick in 2019 has incredible talent. I mean, they've created so much competition really at every spot that this is going to be a successful football team because guys aren't going to be able to take it easy in training camp and OTAs because everybody 
everybody's competing for a spot right now. Everybody is competing for a spot outside of maybe four guys. That's it. Don't forget at WC Sports Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like, follow, subscribe. We are also available on all your favorite streaming platforms. Anywhere that you consume podcasts, you can find us. We are also available at the Believe Podcast Network, number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. And as always, we are presented by BetOnline.ag and Canaan Sunglasses. With that, we love you and enjoy your lives. Go get some Canaan. Somebody suck me. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube